This morning, well, actually this Sunday, I wanted to look at two questions. Two questions basic to a Christian life. And the first being, why pray? Which we will look at this morning and this evening, why obey? Two questions, why pray and why obey? And we will use the catechism to help us answer these questions. But first, would you turn to the Gospel of Luke? We'll be reading two sections from Luke. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through, I think, 13. 5 through 13, Luke chapter 11. And then the context is after Jesus gave the disciples the Lord's Prayer. He says to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And now if you would turn a few pages to Luke chapter 18. We will read verses, actually verses 9 to 14 in Luke 18. Verses 9 to 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Ascends the reading of God's word. Now we will also read the Catechism's explanation of prayer. This is on Lord's Day 45, page 57 in the back of your Psalter hymnals. Lord's Day 45. It answers the question that we are asking ourselves today. Why do Christians need to pray? The answer, because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. And also because God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking him for them. How does God want us to pray so that he will listen to us? First, we must pray from the heart to no one other than the one true God who has revealed himself in his word. 
asking for everything he has commanded us to ask for. Second, we must, not acknowledge, we must acknowledge our need and misery hiding nothing and humble ourselves in his majestic presence. Third, we must rest on this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. That is what he has promised us in his word. What did God command us to pray for? Everything we need spiritually and physically, as embraced in the Lord Christ, our Lord himself taught us. What is this prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. People of God, Martin Luther once said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He also said that prayer is a strong wall and fortress of the church. It is a goodly Christian weapon. Clearly, prayer is important, and I think we'd all accept that. None of us would deny that. Yes, prayer is important. But how do we pray? Why do we pray? These questions we will all ask ourselves at least one time in our life, probably multiple times, because if you think about it, sometimes there is some questions about prayer. One that you can think of that's a common one that we reform deal with is why would you pray to a sovereign God? A God that has planned everything out. What his will is will happen. Well, why would you pray? What difference does it make, right? You could ask that question. You could even ask the question, why do we pray? Because it doesn't seem to do any good at times. I pray. I pray for X, Y, Z, and that doesn't happen. I pray for it. I'm not given it. Or even just the hardships of praying at all. We forget. And so we ask, is it really that important? Do we really need to pray? Why do we pray? Well, I heard one answer to that from a a certain pastor, and he said that we pray because it pleases God, because God likes it when we communicate with him. Now, that's true. God's word says as much. The catechism explains as much. But is that it? Do we only pray because God likes it when we communicate with him? Do we receive anything from prayer? Do we give anything in prayer? And that's what we'll answer in this message. That's what the catechism explaining God's word answers for us. The catechism uses the questions, why do we pray, how do we pray, and what do we pray for? And we'll look at the first two of those, why do we pray and how do we pray? We should notice first, God's word doesn't give us an option. It's not that a Christian can pray. It's not that a Christian even should pray. It's that a Christian must pray. We see that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to 18. It says, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We're commanded to pray. So that could be our first answer. Why do we pray? Well, we're commanded to. It's important enough that God commanded us to pray. But the reason that the catechism gives as it explains scripture is that it's the chief way we express thanksgiving. 
Now, is that what we normally think of as one of the first and primary reasons to pray, to express thanksgiving? It's hard to thank, be thank God sometimes. It's hard to even think of that because what's on our mind is the petitions, we, the things we need. I need this, and so I'm going to pray for that. And that's wonderful and good, but how much of the time do we spend in prayer being thankful? That's the first answer that, that we can see in prayer. Why do we pray? Because we need to express our thanksgiving to God, and it's the best way to do that. It's direct communication with him. And as we grow spiritually, as we mature, as we read God's word, as we encounter him in, our, in his word, there's no other response than to well up in thanksgiving and pray to God. We've been given this access to thank our God, our Savior, to express joy in that. But what does, what does this do? What does being thankful to God do? Well, it draws us nearer to him. You see, as we'll see throughout this Lord's Day, throughout our passage, prayer is the means by which we draw near to God. Prayer is the means by which we draw near to God, and that is why it is so important. Important. That is why we must be thankful. As you're thankful to God, as you continue to come before him and express that thanksgiving, you're continually mindful of who he is and what he's doing in your life. You begin to change the way in which you see the world, the way in which you see your life, the way in which you see your circumstances. That is what Thanksgiving does. It's not simply us saying, okay, yes, we, we teach our kids to be thankful. If, you, if they get a gift, say thank you. And that's good. But it's not this just, yes, we have to get that over with. No, it's communion with God. We pray to draw near to him. And we can be thankful in everything in light of who he is. This is really what answers that, that sovereignty question problem of prayer. Why would we pray to a God who's already determined everything, right? Well, the answer is that he has used us to carry out his will. He has, in eternity past, planned out and elected that we would do things, even our prayers, God does answer our prayer. When we pray, it's by his will. And the request we ask, God answers. The other reason we pray to a sovereign God is what other God would you want to pray to? Should we pray to a God who's not sovereign and who can't actually answer the prayers we bring before him? No, we pray to a God who is sovereign and who has elected us to take part in bringing out his will. And so our prayers certainly are answered, certainly bring about results. And for this, we can be thankful. Second reason we pray is because of something we actually receive through it. We receive grace and the Holy Spirit through prayer. We saw that at the end of our passage in Luke 11. God will not hesitate to give us the Holy Spirit and grace. Verse 10 says, For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. But do we believe this? These aren't meaningless words. These are promises in God's word. When you ask, you will receive. When you seek, you will find. Prayer is not a raffle ticket, it's not a lottery ticket, 
It's not something that we should treat like, I'm going to blast this off to heaven and hopefully get a response. Maybe if I'm lucky enough, my, my raffle ticket will be chosen and God will grant that. No, every one of our prayers, God answers. And we will get into this further of how this might look, how this plays out, but we need to trust that. This is God's word speaking to us. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Why do we pray, people of God? Because we receive grace in the Holy Spirit through it. And what does that mean? Well, it means that not that we don't have the Holy Spirit already within us, but that we receive even greater grace, even greater blessings, even greater work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That he works all the more. He continues, he continues to transform us. He continues to work in us and strengthen us. This is what that means. And we know with confidence that we will receive that. I wonder if we truly realize this confidence. If we truly recognize these blessings in prayer. Because again, as I said, it's not easy and we all experience that. We all experience days in which we didn't really have a prayer of substance. Now we all will vary to this to degrees. Some of you out there don't struggle as much with praying as others. To some of you, prayer is like breathing. You can't even think of living without it, and that's wonderful. That's, that's to be thanked, that's to be praised, to be turned to God in thanksgiving. Yet I know for a lot of us, it isn't like that. For a lot of us, prayer is something we do because we think we need to. That's not necessarily a bad motivation, but we need to start seeing the importance of prayer. Luke says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Pretty basic logic. We understand that. If we want to give good gifts to our children, the Father who loves us more than anything else, or loves us more than anyone else, why would he not give good gifts to those who ask him for him? Why would he not give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? He will. He certainly will. We just need to understand what prayer is and think of it differently. One commentator said, Although to pray is to ask, prayer is not a means of getting what we want. It is a means of becoming what God wants us to be. Ultimately, prayer is not a search for things, but for communion. You see, the, thing, the point is not that we don't receive things through prayer. We do. But that's not actually our primary goal. Our primary goal is communion with God. Drawing near to him. Prayer is the way we express that. Prayer is the way we do that. The greatest joy of prayer isn't that we can rub the lamp and ask a genie in the sky for some wishes. It's that we draw near to him and learn more of him even in our prayers. We all know this, but God doesn't need us to explain things to him. Prayer is not us informing God of what he doesn't already know, but it corrects us internally. It's a work in our own hearts as we speak to him, as we commune with him. To use an illustration, it's 
Would we ask this question about a friend or a, a spouse? Like, why, why do you want to talk to your, your spouse? Or why do you want to talk to your friend? Is it because you're going to receive something through it? Or is it because you want to talk to that person? Because you enjoy their presence, you enjoy being with them. In prayer, that is what happens. Just imagine that. In prayer, you come before God's throne room. You come before the living God who created all things. And what you get out of it is a relationship. What you get out of it is a greater walk. And that is why we pray. We pray because we can be thankful to God in it. And we pray because we receive grace in the Holy Spirit through it. But then our catechism in speaking of prayer asks the question, how do we pray? Which makes sense. We know that we should pray, but now how do we do it? We could summarize these three answers and prayer must be sincere, prayer must be humble, and prayer must be offered in complete trust. First, we must pray from the heart sincerely. We see this in our passage from Luke 18. We see this in the prayer of the Pharisee, a lack of sincerity. The Pharisee prayed in in appearances to God, in appearances of a thankful prayer, and yet it was all about himself. That was how great he was, how he was not like others. That's what he was thankful in. That's not a sincere prayer. That prayer is not heard by God. The parable Jesus tells shows us the prayer that is, it's from a sinner. You know, in that parable, we shouldn't see the tax collector simply as like, no, he's the good guy. No, the point is that he's not a good guy. He needs forgiveness. But he prays sincerely, and he goes home justified rather than the other. So we must pray with sincerity. We must pray from the heart. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. When we pray with sincerity, God does hear us. But now don't take from this that if you're not feeling sincere, you you can't pray. The response isn't, okay, I can't pray until I'm feeling sincere enough. No, we pray to God that he would give us sincerity. That he would make our prayer life something that flows from our heart. Not simply from an obligation that we feel, but because we desire. Because we make these requests because we truly desire God's will to be done. And that is the first answer for how we pray, sincerity. The second way in which we pray is by, with humility. And again, we see this in the parable that Jesus told. The tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Humility. Humility in two ways. One, he knew that he was not worthy. He came before God and didn't boast didn't prop himself up as the one who needed or who is deserving of praise. He knew he needed it. He also knew that he was a sinner. 
And that is how we come before God. Humility, knowing that we are creatures and we are not God. We don't come before him to tell him how it should be. To try to coerce a response from him that we want. No, we come before God broken. Those who are living in a broken world, and we pray in that way. Through humility. Those are true prayers. The third condition for the proper prayer that we see is that's offered in complete trust. It's offered in confidence. Now this is really where we start getting at some of the questions we might have, but also some of the great, great fruits and joys of prayer. Why can we pray with confidence? We can pray with confidence because we pray it in Jesus' name. Jesus is the sure and strong foundation from which we make all of our prayers. Would we ever expect to receive forgiveness were it not in Jesus' name? Would we ever expect to receive blessings were it not that we are united to Jesus? That God sees his son when he hears us? Would any of our prayers be answered were it not brought by our intercessor, Jesus Christ? The wings of prayer are clipped and never rise above the ground when it's not in Jesus' name and and ask for his glory. But you see the confidence that we have then? The confidence from Luke 11 that we know what we ask we will receive. When we knock it will be answered because what we're asking is in Jesus' name and for his glory and brought by Jesus himself to our Father. Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, it's in our intercessor that we have this confidence. And suddenly these prayers that we can pray are powerful and meaningful. Think of it, when a Christian prays, it's coming through the Savior. It's coming through the one who created the world. It's coming to the one who sits at God's right hand. That is how powerful your prayers are. But this might then raise the question, but when I ask for things, they always don't get answered. How do you explain that? How can we have confidence in our prayers When so much of what we pray for, we don't receive. You know, we pray for deliverance from sins, and it doesn't seem like we ever get it. We pray that we wouldn't be tempted anymore, and we are. We pray for spouses, or we pray for jobs, or we pray for children. We pray for grandchildren. We pray for faith. And then all these things don't seem to be answered. How do we reconcile this? How can we have confidence when it seems, in some instances, like prayer is broken? Well... The answer is first how we do ask. You know, the tax collector's prayer was answered. The Pharisee's was not. It's because of how he asked. It's because of his motivations. It's because of his heart. James 4, 3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God will not answer prayers that are proud, that are based on Wrong motivations, wrong desires. Now, this doesn't mean that our prayers are always perfect and that they must be perfect to be answered, but 
When they're simply being asked for a wrong motivation, why would God answer that? And so that's one. We need to ask for the right reasons, and we need to be asking for the right things. It's not like prayer is a way in which we can twist God's arm to get what we want because he promised he'd answer our prayers. He's going to answer the prayers that are best for us. And that's where we can also see a distinction in prayers. There's a distinction we can make between the spiritual blessings we pray for and then the the temporal blessings. Every spiritual blessing you pray for, when you pray for wisdom, when you pray for grace in the Holy Spirit, when you pray for forgiveness... These are always answered. And we must not doubt that because they come through our Savior. But then we have the temporal blessings. What about the the prayer for a child or a spouse or a job? Well, the way in which this is answered is that they are always answered according to what's best for us. It doesn't diminish our confidence we have to pray for these things, but we do need to recognize that Simply because we prayed for it doesn't mean we'll receive it. And there's a lot of Christians who get this wrong. There's a lot of the the prosperity gospel preachers around the world who say, name it and claim it, pray for it, and God must give it. And they'll point to the passages where God promises to answer prayers. But that's not taking all of God's word and applying it. No, God will answer the prayers all the prayers, sometimes he will say no to what we're asking because it's better for us. You can see this in the Lord's Prayer when we pray for daily bread. God will always give us daily bread. He will always give us what we need for that day. But it might not be exactly what we asked for. But we still have confidence because he will give us what we need. He will bless us. And so as we, as we go from here, as we look at prayer, we see that we should be thankful in prayer. We see that we should offer prayers with sincerity and humility and trust. But then also we see the, the great blessing that God has given us. He throws open his, his chambers, he throws open his throne room, and he says to ask for everything we need spiritually and physically. To cast all our concerns on him, to cast all our fears and our anxieties on him. Where do the boundaries of prayer end? Well, they don't. They don't end. You can ask anything in your life that you need, anything that is bothering you, anything that is an affliction to you, you can pray for. Yes, you need to be careful in how and what you ask. It needs to be informed by Scripture, but we don't refrain from bringing our requests to God. He wants us to bring them all before him. And so, people of God, do you see this power, the necessity of prayer? See, what I want through this, what we all should want through this, is again to awaken the desire of prayer and awaken a, a discipline in which we're going to pursue it. Not because of just the blessings we get from it, but because we want to glorify God and this is the way we do it. This is how we draw near to him. Now it would be very simple to end and say, go and do likewise. Go pray. Go pray. Have prayer you know, lists and times of prayer. Set alarms to pray. And those, are all, those can be used wonderfully, but that's not where we want to leave it. We don't want to leave it there with, all right, yeah, it's up to me. 
It's up to how I do it. I got to just praise humility, sincerely, thanksgiving, and then I'm going to get everything I want. No. In a paraphrasing quote from John Kelvin, he says that no one has ever carried this out, prayer. No one has ever, ever carried prayer out with a brightness that it was due. But God tolerates even our stammering. God pardons our ignorance, allowing us to gain familiarity with him in prayer, though it be in a babbling manner. Our prayers are like, like infants' prayers, like babbling sometimes. Yet this is used by God and he hears it. Take joy and confidence in that. Your prayers don't need to be these eloquent, long prayers. They're just prayers from the heart. And we rest on, as the Catechism says, this unshakable foundation. Even though we do not deserve it, God will surely listen to our prayer because of Christ our Lord. Because of Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this great blessing it is to draw before you in prayer. We thank you that you have given us this gift and we pray that we would utilize it. We pray that ultimately, as our final goal, that you will be glorified in our prayers by us drawing nearer to you, by us loving you more. We pray for each and every one of us here that our prayer lives would be greatly increased and greatly matured. We know that we can all grow in our prayers, and we pray that we would do so. We even pray that you would put in our hearts and our minds to work at it, that we would set aside aside times in the day to pray. But Lord, we pray that it would not be like the Pharisee who came to the temple at his set time to praise himself, but we know that we are these tax collectors. We know we are the sinners and unworthy, and so we pray that these prayers would be sincere and offered in thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.